Does managing your religious trauma leave you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and alone? When we talked with Emily, another survivor, she said, I always feel like I'm not good enough. I judge myself very harshly and feel it in my chest like an ache. I feel tired, a general kind of depression, sadness, and disappointment. I wish I had more tools. As fellow religious trauma survivors, we've been there and we get it. In fact, that's why we created Beyond the Wound. Beyond the Wound is a virtual summit that helps survivors of religious trauma find the resources, freedom, and connection they seek. Our virtual summit has over 20 trusted thought leaders and licensed experts in the field of trauma and religious trauma. Come and learn how trauma affects your nervous system, gain practical tools for mind-heart-body healing, and learn how to trust yourself. Join us at your own pace between January 15th and February 5th, 2023, at our first annual Beyond the Wound Virtual Summit. Find support and tools to help you move with confidence beyond your wounds of religious trauma and into a life of freedom and safety. Go to beyondthewound.com to register and use code PODCAST20 for 20% off your ticket. We hope to see you there because no one should have to walk the path of healing alone. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hello. Hi. We're back and <laughs> we're going to jump into the next part of our religious trauma series. And honestly, me and Tia even talk about this. We're like, oh gosh, some of these topics in religious trauma are going to have to have their own episode. Why? Because these are very complex issues that if we just skimmed over them, I think we would be doing a disservice to you guys. So truly, I think what you're going to see coming up for you guys is probably more topical trauma or topical interaction with how you relate to that trauma or how people are putting that trauma or deepening that trauma while you're deconstructing. Yes. Um, so just keep that in mind. If you are new to our podcast, uh, I probably wouldn't have you listen to this as the first one because <laughs> this is this is a very specific topic that is near and dear to our hearts. Um, this is like our mini series within a series of um, covering religious trauma. So obviously, I would encourage you to start from the beginning of the religious trauma series, um, or you could just start at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> so. <laughs> Today we are, we're trying to navigate from where we left off, which was when we are talking about being in the unknown, when we are questioning our faith or we are in a place where our environment is a very specific kind of religion and we are now in a state of questioning. We are either curious or we're not even maybe completely removed. We're just letting ourselves ask questions that we didn't previously allow ourselves to ask. So with that being said, there's a lot of conversations that come up when you choose to be open. And this is very brave of my people who are deconstructing to dialogue openly about some of those open questions that you may have, or some of the things that you're concerned about, or the, you know, you just are being more candid. So for example, when me and CA were talking, we're like, one of the things that I, I see as a common thread for the people that are going through religious deconstruction is they attempt to have these conversations with their parents or their friends or whatever. Remember, these are people integrated into their religious community. So their friends and their siblings and their parents and all of their family might be in the same belief system. So when you're brave enough to sit there and even talk to one person, that you are in a place of questioning or possibly considering an alternative or something. Not when I say you're brave, it's very much related to there is a moment where you are realizing by having that conversation, it's almost like anything is game on the other side. You have you you could probably predict what they're going to say, but you have no idea 
how intense their reaction could be. You don't know what they're going to say. You don't know if they're going to receive you okay or they're going to immediately go on the defense. So when CA and I were talking about this, we said, I think we do need to focus an episode on the narrative of hell and how hell was not only taught to us, but also used as a pawn to kind of keep people in the fold while they're questioning or while they are struggling with their belief system, right? So why we imagine this is like, I bring this to, you know, my sister or something and she goes, so what are you saying? You're no longer part of our faith. And I say something like, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm maybe I'm just sitting with the unknown. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. And then the immediate counterpoint is, are you not scared of dying tomorrow and going to hell? Because that to me takes an entire episode to untangle, right? When someone comes back at me and says, you could die tomorrow and you could die and go to hell. And I'm like, how does that feel to our psyche, right? Especially growing up for decades thinking that hell is the ultimate punishment and the ultimate thing that's hovering over us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, whenever you have fear being used as a primary motivator for behavior modification, you 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 have to be willing to look at that critically and say, is this actually healthy for our psyche? And that's why in having these episodes and this conversation about religious trauma, we really want to focus on how these issues impact our minds and our emotions and try not to get too in the weeds about theology and philosophy and all of that. Cause like, fine, like if you want to sit there and have a theological conversation about whether or not hell is real, that's its own thing. We're actually not, going to sit here and have that argument. That's not what this podcast is about. What we're going to talk about is the impact of these belief systems being consistently used upon us to modify our behavior and how that affects the way that we develop as a person and the way that we interact with the world around us and the world within us as a result of these types of mental constructs that are being given to us. And I, right. I, I want, I want to say forced upon us, especially in, in uh, especially with this topic, because hell trauma, I have seen personally be one of the most debilitating types of traumas that people have to heal from and reconcile with throughout their lives and their deconstruction process, regardless of what that deconstruction looks like. Some people, you know, fully deconstruct out of their religion and become full-blown atheists. Other people deconstruct certain types of like of these like harsher kind of constructs within their faith, but they are able to maintain other elements of their faith that they have been able to healthily integrate into their lives and, and everything in between, right? So that people's deconstruction journey and healing from religious trauma is not a one-size-fits-all. And we don't ever want any of you guys to feel like, we're trying to push a particular type of deconstruction over another um, in any way. Simply what we're doing is kind of like exploring these topics to help ourselves and our listeners sort of um, sift through, right? Where is this affecting me and how is this affecting me? Because sometimes these things are affecting us in ways that are subconscious enough that we might not even realize it until somebody, you know, on a podcast or in a book or wherever gives us the suggestion that we are allowed to critically think about that and explore that. Mm, Right. And I think that your point of how this can get lost between the theology and the actual implication of the theology is actually really important for us to maybe like start with, because if you think about it, it's easy for me to have a, like, if I'm conversating, CA is my sister in this scenario. And I say something like, Hey, you know what I just modeled and CA tells me, aren't you scared of going to hell? And then we all of a sudden, instead of talking about how I'm 
like literally talking about the kind of origin and where I am in my deconstruction and like really understanding me and like where I personally am emotionally, if it turns into a battle of theology, right? Where she goes, well, let me give you every reason why this is something you need to take seriously. And I, and then she brings out her book and then she brings out her like, you know, whatever faith system, like you remember everyone has supplemental books, whatever faith system you have. So whatever supplemental books or literature is out there, that's like, Hey, let me give you the theology about this. Well, now it becomes, I'm now supposed to be equipped with the counter theology on why that's not true. When in reality, what I wasn't, I wasn't trying to have a theological conversation. I was trying to update my lip, my, my, actual sister right in front of my face that I'm trying to sit here emotionally and saying, Hey, this is really actually really difficult for me to talk about. And I, I, I don't want to get into the theology. It's not like I haven't thought about the theology behind it, but I'm, I'm telling you this not to fight with you, not to defend something about my belief system. I'm telling you this because I'm sitting in front of you as a human that's going through something. And I, I, I wanted to trust you with this information. And this is why we're going into this topic because it is very possible that someone you thought was going to hold space for your deconstruction responds with the, either the hell narrative or the fear narrative. And why this is so important for you to kind of sit with is like, when people use the fear narrative or the morality narrative, like they look at you that's not part of the faith system or questioning the faith system as someone who's an enemy, right? When you hear, if you're not with us, you're against us. Think about that for a second. It creates a binary. It creates this dualistic, non-gray, there's no room for exploration. If you are not saying, I am an active believer of XYZ belief system, by you telling me that I'm, I am looked at as an enemy, like, or the other person is looked at as an enemy, right? And so what's interesting is you're sitting there and you're like, basically looking at them and saying, I don't see this as this all or nothing. I don't see this as this like, you're the enemy, I'm the good guy, or I'm, you know, I'm the bad guy, you're the good guy, right? I don't look at it that way. I look at it as like, I'm attempting to explain something about, honestly, where I'm coming from and my emotions around this. And then when we get met with, I'm going to immediately throw this into a category of, well, then you're a sinner and then you're going to hell and then you're, there are massive implications for you to even question God. And like, you know, this is incredibly dishonorable to him and like you're hurting his heart and whatever, right? It's like all of a sudden what they're throwing back at you is this like weaponized fear, like um, disappointment, like all of these like your, your God was your daddy and you rejected him. What are you doing? Right. And so it's like the ultimate punishment, right. It's the classic. This is where people are like the whole classic argument with God being this weird, both. And he's the punisher and he's the lover. Like God wants to love you, but he's going to punish you if you question and you Mm -hmm. don't come back into the fold. Yeah. And so I, I two things I want to say. One is I want to keep in mind that when you're having these conversations and somebody comes back at you with that fear narrative and that like hell trauma narrative, um, holding space for and keeping in mind that the reality is the reason that they're tossing that at you is because they are in the grips of it. And they are so scared of that reality, not only for themselves, but for you that that's what's motivating them, right? Like there, if you genuinely believed that hell is real in, in, in a sense of this, this, this idea that you literally for all of time, space, eternity will live in eternal torment. And you believed that somebody you loved was in danger of going through that and like having that become their <laughs> ultimate reality you would be motivated to stop them, you know, from going down that path. And so like that often is what controls those conversations. Like fear is such a powerful motivator, not only personally for ourselves, but yeah. I mean, like if I believed that that was going to happen to somebody I loved, then I 
I probably would want to speak up and try to save them from that, right? And so like that, that's what sometimes can be so difficult to navigate these conversations is because like you say you're the one who's deconstructing. Like you're trying to be sensitive to that fear that they're you're you're picking up on this major fear response from them and you're like, okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, like now you're like comforting them because you no longer have space to like just like explore and share the thoughts and emotions you were trying to because you're literally trying to like soothe this person's fear because it's so all-encompassing, it's taking over the whole entire conversation. So that's very difficult. That in and of itself is is a dynamic that's very difficult is how do we even make space for you to be able to share your authentic thoughts, feelings, emotions, explorations when the person you're trying to share it with is so consumed with such a very, very visceral, intense emotion of their own that that literally takes up all it takes all the air out of the room. Like that emotion for them is so intense that it is now taking up the entire conversation and all of the space. That's really tricky. That was one of the things I wanted to say. And it sort of leads into the other thing that I was going to say, which is really what happens in that situation is both people's actual like humanity is being bypassed. For the sake of this like greater, larger theological construct that one person is very much still buying into and being controlled by and the other person is just kind of like curiously questioning and wondering about and wanting to explore it. And all of a sudden, as this person brings this emotion of, I'm not sure how I feel about this, and then this person says, you have to believe in that because otherwise you're going to be punished eternally. Now, neither of them actually get to be humans in in a real relationship conversation about who this person is and what they're going through and tell me about your experiences and tell me what your thought process was that led to that, this, that, and the other thing. It's like both of them lose their humanity underneath this construct that says, no, this is true and it's so much more important than your thoughts and feelings. You don't get to have thoughts and feelings about this, that, or the other thing, because what's more important is this eternal punishment that you might be subjected to. So put all of that aside, put all of that away, because nothing about your life experience is ever going to be worth that punishment. No, no question, no emotion, no thought, no feeling of yours is more important than the potential for all time eternal punishment. And that to me is psychologically something worth exploring is why are we living in a situation where literally I can't even think a thought that to me takes away my humanity. Mm, Right. So what's interesting is I think about this concept of severing the thoughts and the emotions with the theology that's attached to it. And me and CA were talking about this before we started recording and me and CA have had, this is another topic for another, you know, for another episode, but we were talking about how some of the implications of um, some of the religious teachings that we endured for many years that happened. That happened a lot. We would we would be speaking to our small groups or to our women's groups or to our church groups, and we would be talking about the humanity and the emotions and the the turmoil and the suffering and the feelings. And we would literally be like in the actual stuff of the teaching. And what we would get, there's the bypassing, right? What we would constantly get reiterated was like that ultimate, well, I know you're suffering, but if you really just like make a decision against this teaching, then you're going to go to hell or you don't want to lead your husband to hell or you don't want to lead your kids to hell or you don't want to lead your soul to hell. Right. And so the ultimate punishment would be like bypassing all of the emotions and immediately just go to the teaching. And what would happen is you wouldn't be able 
to converse. Like it was actually one of the things that was one of the most harmful things. And I know some of you guys are curious about some of the stories, but one of the stories, and I'll speak on my own end, me and Sia were part of the group together, but one of the stories within our experience of our very high demand and controlling religion was we would attempt to have these dialogues. We weren't even deconstructed yet. And I should, I, I'm going to start using I because me and CA did share these experience, but, but I'm going to start using I for a second. So I would attempt even pre deconstruction, even pre questioning, I would be attempting to talk about the humanity or the implications of some of the teachings that were incredibly harmful. And that was watching the implications of some of these teachings destroy lives, like destroy people's lives. Okay. And I sat there and my, the deepest part of me was like, I don't know, is this God? Is this like connected to the most highest form of human, like literally the most highest formed entity is this teaching connected to that? Because when I see this much suffering, my brain immediately wants to question it, immediately wants to be like, I'm not sure this level of suffering is of the divine. It feels wrong, right? And so when you would bring that up and you would start saying, this feels wrong, oh, well, that's a feeling. Feelings are fleeting. God is forever. Theology, the things that we've been taught are ancient. These are thousands years tradition. Why are you questioning them, right? And so eventually what me and CA are talking about is these would eventually lead to the hell narrative, which would be, all right, well, you can sit there and question, but you're going to put your soul at risk. If you really question this theology at the core of what you're saying. And so here's the, I don't want to say gatekeeping. It wasn't gatekeeping. It was censoring. So we would, and oh my gosh, I keep saying we, both CA and I experienced this, but I'm going to just say, so I would truly try to speak this. I would actually bring this to the public forum. I would literally say, Hey, this is going on. I'm seeing suffering. People around me are really like, not good. They're really struggling with this teaching. I don't know if I agree with this anymore. And what I would get accused as, as I would literally be accused as like having a demonic oppression. These are real stories, people. I'm not joking. Like I remember there's this, there's this thing in our faith system that is a specific prayer that's related to like demons basically to help us like rid ourselves of demons. And I remember bringing up a dialogue in a public forum with a lot of the same religious, you know, they were all the same belief system as I was. And I openly wanted to talk about how this was a problem. And there was this immediate shutdown of this must be the this must be the evil one trying to infiltrate this group and we I don't like the way this conversation is gr- going and I feel like people are questioning the faith and this is not safe and honestly we need to we need to curb this conversation because if this conversation continues I don't like where this is going to lead and I actually think this is Satan. That's a real story. I wish it wasn't. It's a real story. That is a 100%. very real story. I will vouch. Happened. Yep. <laughs> I love that. So when I say that there were implications to when I wouldn't even get to, I wouldn't even be to the point where we were talking about in the beginning. I was literally saying, can we talk about the humanity or the implications of the feelings and emotions and fallout and collateral damage that is happening from these teachings? Can we actually hold that accountable? And I would start bringing that narrative forward. And I would be brave enough to say, yeah, I get that we're surrounded by people that are supposed to agree with me, but like, I genuinely have a problem with this. So can we dialogue? And the answer was not only a hard no, but I would immediately get accused that I was bringing in some kind of evil entity to this conversation. And then not only that, I was getting countered with their religious, you know, incantations to try to get that evil spirit away from the group. And I was like, at that point, my brain would have this like massive moment of like, something's got to give because I realized that any time I really held space for things that were very, very, very problematic in my mind, my counter, and this is not in every face system, so I don't want to speak in general systems, but especially ones that are very hell 
like fear, like very like fire and brimstone or ironically, ours didn't really preach a lot of fire and brimstone until it got to the deepest parts of the questioning of the faith. That was the ultimate weapon. If you questioned it enough, the last thing you're going to get thrown at is yes, it was the, the fail safe. Mm-hmm. The fail safe. So when you were talking, I was remembering something we had talked about in I think maybe the first religious trauma episode, or if not in there, some other episode we've had. This concept of like when you have an authentic questioning about something and then you are met with that's the devil, what ends up happening internally to the psyche, right, is that you literally have this like split where you your authentic thoughts and feelings become the enemy. And so anytime you hear those thoughts or questions inside your own self, this other part of you literally like genuinely, I'm not using this word out of context incorrectly, demonizes that voice. It literally will say that's the voice of a demon or the devil himself. And so you become your own internal gaslighter and your own internal gatekeeper and your own internal moderator for all of this. And it can be very difficult to break free from that and to break that internal cycle, basically, where you get to a point where you can allow yourself to feel safe to think a thought and feel a feeling. Like, I, listeners, if this is you, this might genuinely be like a moment of like pause and breathe because it's so intense. And if you've not experienced this ever and you're listening to this, like that sounds bonkers, please hold space. Please hold space for the fact of how difficult this is for people's internal mental and emotional well-being is that they literally become their own internal bully. And the voice of bully, that, that bullying voice is the voice of God. And the voice of their own just random thoughts and questions is the voice of the devil unbelievable damage to the psyche, unbelievable damage. And this is religious trauma. And this is what we are deconstructing right now together in this episode is getting us to a point where we can trust our own internal experiences. That's why, yeah, if you want to go back and listen to the episode about self-trust and self-doubt, like that's related to this. One of the major factors why I think a lot of people struggle to trust their own voice is because if you were raised in a religion that quite literally trained you to distrust your own voice, it's very difficult to learn how. It can be very difficult to even hear and recognize that voice as something that is safe to listen to and, and explore thoughts are safe. Like you are allowed to think thoughts. If this is the first time you're hearing this, hear what I'm saying. You are allowed to think thoughts. You are allowed to ask questions. You are allowed to feel feelings. And if you're struggling under a religious system that tells you your very own thoughts and feelings are the enemy I, my heart is going out to you because I, on a personal note, I didn't fully internalize too, too much of like the hell trauma. I mean, it was there. It was kind of like vaguely in the background as part of my belief system. I had kind of like, which we'll eventually get into like my own kind of thoughts and reasonings as to like why religiosity made sense to me at the time and why I kind of participated in it to the level that I did. But for me, fear wasn't overly like a majorly controlling factor. And even I struggled with this concept. Like when I did start giving myself permission to have some more questions, like we said a minute ago, hell becomes the fail safe. It's like the final boss of like allowing your mind to be free to think thoughts is 
you know, you, you can get past like, what will my mom think? Or what will my friends think? But then eventually it's going to eventually that final boss is going to come. What will God think? He'll send you to hell, you know? And so like, even as somebody who wasn't like super gripped with fear, even I did eventually get to that fail safe point where I would go, what if it, what if, what if this does, what if thinking this thought does, you know, eventually lead to my ultimate eternal punishment. And I worked through it and my own time and in my own way. But I, I need to point out that like, this is such a huge factor in people's religious trauma experience and deconstruction that even those of us who weren't like overly gripped by it, were still and are still affected by it to some degree. So yeah, I think that's where I, that's one of the things I wanted to say was just kind of like getting to a space where we are even allowed to think thoughts and give ourselves permission to feel safe to do so is a huge accomplishment. I think, and this is, this is a little bit of like, this is a little bit of my, my story that I think is worth exploring because CA has been exposed to a couple of people that have had this level of rigidity in their brain. And I am one of them. And so she's had to witness kind of that on the role of where she had to witness the extreme implications of when someone takes that idea of like heaven or hell or good or bad to the extreme. Right. And so in our faith with, um, um, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to lead this down too much of a rabbit hole, but with our faith, we have, we have a lot of like, leaders um in the catholic world there's like patron saints there's like people that i mean ca and i have named our children after okay like we can you know redefine that you know another day but like there are these thought leaders there are these faith leaders that are told we are told to look towards and ironically when i look at it and i'm sure i'm gonna step on people's toes because we probably do have people that are still in the faith system that listen to this but when I look at that without the lens of the faith and I look at some of the lives of these, you know, Catholic dub saints, right. As a mental health expert, I get genuinely concerned. I get genuinely concerned because some of their lives are incredibly well-documented and some of their writings are incredibly well-documented. And when I tell you, they are fuel for extremism, like literal extremism, where it's like these people would be praying literally every waking hour. They would be going on fast for like, you know, three weeks at a time. And like they were, and they, you got to remember, they were elevated. And I'm sure in other faith systems, they have, you guys have some of these examples too. But like, you've got to also ask yourself the people that are getting elevated and getting amplified and being told like, these are very, very, very holy. These are the holiest of holies. The closest you're going to get to divinity are these people. When I would look at those stories, they would, they would be like the most extreme version of the faith. So like they would be constantly evangelizing. They would be constantly proselytizing. They would constantly be confessing. They would constantly be starving themselves. They would constantly be writing and in communities. So like the, you know, we have God and then we have his disciples and then we have the patron saints and whatever. And so you look to those people as almost like role models. And when those role models are incredibly extreme, like you should... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Oh, but yeah. if you read some of these writings of some of these people, you're going to be like, what is going on? Like some of these people yeah. were so radicalized in their faith. And so we're getting told and we're sitting down and we're the youth of the of the faith. And they're like, these are the people you need to look up to. So it's it's sad when people on the other side would be like, well, you didn't have to be that extreme. And I go, you told me to be. You told me to be. And in their writings, they would be like, and now I'm getting attacked by demons because I had one thought of possibly not going to church. Like literally these are like, I'm not giving you word for word, but like some of their writings would be like, 
I woke up today and I didn't necessarily want to go to church. And I knew that that was Satan attacking me. What? That's your humanity. You're tired. You you might have been like achy. Maybe, maybe you have the flu because it's like 1920s. Like, I don't know. But like, you weren't feeling okay. And you just had a thought that you were just tired and you didn't want to go to church. And you wrote down in your writings that that was you being attacked by, by a demon? Like on this podcast is because literally the entire like construct of hell is an all or nothing binary. And as you know, that's almost our catchphrase here is that we are the both and podcast. And so it's like, we didn't start out that way. And our religion certainly did not foster in any way, shape or form being allowed to have a mentality that could hold space for nuance. It was quite literally the exact opposite. It was things are good or they're bad. This is of God or it's of the devil. It's this or it's that. And so in like that, this whole thing very much goes hand in hand, which is why sometimes people begin a religious deconstruction journey. And through that, they also start having an entire mental health journey as well. And for other people, it starts off as kind of like a mental health journey of like trying to become more psychologically well inside of themselves. And then they discover that a lot of these religious thoughts and constructs are negatively impacting their mental health. And so it's kind of like this, this interwoven experience um, for us in our adulthood, as we begin to do our like various healing journeys, we don't always know exactly how struck that a lot of these religions develop of things are black and white and things are yes or no, things are good or bad. That's where the tension starts to happen. And that's where a lot of times this stuff starts to fall apart. And well, so that's, I, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. I go. just wanted to, I just wanted to add like with the idea of humanity, like this is why it's incredibly inconvenient when you go so radically hard to one side or the other humanity becomes incredibly inconvenient. Incredibly. Because if you think about it, (laughs) I can have a rigid theological lesson that I'm trying to implement among my flock, okay? But if someone comes to me and says, hey, um, I know that this is the teaching, but like, this is what's happening in this family. And um, I know you asked us to tithe, but they literally have no money and they need to go buy food. And like, you're telling them to still like tithe 10% and then you like, what do you do? Well, there's no, I can't bend that. That's the rule of God. It's in the Bible. Right. And then you say something like, just give more time or get right. Like they, they change the name, you don't know, whatever it is, but like, it's, it's one of those things where when you think about like, you can't have the complexity of humanity in some of these theological teachings. I think about like, And it's like, okay, I don't want to go into this whole like argument, but like, it's that whole, like, I can't really make an argument. Obviously no one's going to like advocate for abuse, but it's one of those things where they're like, it's better for them to have a mom and a dad in general, regardless of what that looks like. Even if they're massively impoverished, even if they're massively problematic, we'd rather have these two women not in the foster system than have these other families. And I sit there and I go, that's not like, that doesn't make sense because it's the humanity, right? What we're talking about is the human, the things that make that theological argument complex is that we're not just talking about a man and a woman raising a child. We're talking about the humans that are raising that child and the complexities that come with those humanities. So this person has an anger issue. This person has a drinking problem. This person's sick. This person doesn't have money to raise a child. This person doesn't have enough money to have another pregnancy. What are they supposed to do, right? So you bring those things up and they go, you just got to give it to God. You just got to, you just got to trust God. You just got to trust God is going to intervene and like provide for that family. And you got to just trust him and, and all of this stuff, right? It's like, it's, it's given, it's, it's a bypassing of the humanity and it's just going right to the theology again, right? Versus if I sit there and I go, What I see is two humans that are doing an amazing job raising a child and they just happen to be two women that love each other. 
So I'm confused at why this is against God's ruling. Like, I don't understand that. And if they bend the knee in any way, they're going against the theology of it. So this is why I think it's interesting because if you, if now we bring up, here we go, the hell narrative. Because the fail safe is, I get it. These two women are amazing moms and we, we don't want to hate anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. But ultimately, like, we don't want to raise children that are going to go to hell and those two women are going to go to hell. And like, what is the implication of those two women raising that child in a lifestyle that we don't agree with? So there's the fail safe. It's the fail safe of hell is the ultimate, you know, veto <laughs> to whether or not something could be considered okay. And that's why this is incredibly difficult when you're navigating conversations while you're deconstructing, because the second you tell them, here's a kicker, I don't know if I believe in the theology of hell. You lost the failsafe. <laughs> you lost the last argument that they're going to pull out of their hat. Right, right. And I think that's what's really interesting is uh, I've also seen what lots of times happens in these conversations. If you are speaking to a leader in your faith who actually is like actually willing to like give some like nuanced intellectual energy to a conversation like this, what ends up happening is they are confronted with the reality and the messiness of humanity and how that is incongruent with a black and white narrative of heaven or hell. What often ends up happening is they will experience most likely some cognitive dissonance because of that. And then in order to kind of like smooth over the tension of the situation is they'll come up with some sort of like very like vague platitudinal way to sort of sidestep the whole situation and say something along the lines of, well, we don't know exactly what the final judgment will look and feel like with God. And, and, and God is all loving and all merciful. So we don't, we can't know and predict the depths of his love and mercy. And for all we know, he would welcome those two women with open arms. And then you sit there and you go, okay, so if that's a possibility, then why is our faith spending so much of its time and energy condemning that lifestyle and your brain literally just go. Uh, 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 so it's so strange because like sometimes you actually will like get a religious leader push to shove to admit that there is nuance and possible other realities and, and, and variations of gray within these conversations but then they go, but, you know, ultimately, most likely it's, it's, you know, this black and white narrative. So why, why take a risk on the gray when the black and white is a sure thing? You might as well just live your life according to the black and white. It's the safest. The safest way is to stay in the white. I mean, maybe some of those people in the gray, like, well, maybe they'll make it. Maybe they'll screech into heaven just by the skin of their nose. Like, possibly, maybe we'll hold space for it. But, like, why would you risk it when you can live in the white? But, see, I think that's where this this is where we're going to lead into the next episode where we think about, like, it absolutely create If it creates enough cognitive dissonance in you guys... It, it Well, I'm going to speak for me. It felt literally unsustainable at some point. I was like, this is absurd. Like, I got to the point where I was like, I can't play this game anymore. I can't play the game of like, you holding over me this like theoretical thing that doesn't make sense to me anymore. And when you're saying, okay, we can maybe entertain the gray, but why risk it? My brain goes like, I don't want to think in all or nothing anymore. I want to create, this is, this is where I would leave you guys. I got to the point where I needed to consider humanity. I needed to consider the women around me because many of these were women, okay? And I, I know that like men suffer. I do not want to bypass that. But because I was immersed in the woman side of the culture, I saw so many women suffering. And I got to the point where I'm like, I refused to neglect 
their humanity. I refuse to neglect their wounds. I refuse to choose a theological standard or construct that has been passed down from generations of patriarchal teaching to impose to me currently, I refuse to like ignore their humanity. I do. I refuse to ignore it. So once I refuse to ignore it, I couldn't look back. I had to take into account, oh my God, those two best friends and those two people that are suffering and my friends that are lesbians and all of these people. Now I want to hear their story. I want to sit down and instead of bypassing them with theology, which by the way, I did guys, I bypassed so many people's legitimate pain and I threw back at them a theological teaching. I was the enemy. I was the toxic one. I literally said that to them and I would say, well, you also could just go to hell too. And like, I would literally say these narratives. Okay. So once I got to the point where I was like, I cannot do that anymore. I was able to hear the humanity in some of my family members and some of the people that were like incredible loved ones of me that I saw suffering, but I wasn't allowed to hold space for because if I did, I'd be entertaining their sinful nature. And that is where I think we can lead into the next episode. But what I'm saying is when we get to this crux of like, I am no longer going to adhere to some of these narratives. We're going to entertain a couple of things. We do have a surprise guest coming up in the series. But some of these things that we are holding space for that was creating suffering, like we're probably going to venture into a couple of the topics, like the subtopics. But some of these things, they're they're so integral to our our integrated self, to our psyche, to our mind. We're talking about what makes us who we are, what makes us who we are, our humor, our sexuality, the way we show up to our lives, our identity. Like these are core concepts of who we are. And then what happens is when those get tapped by like, like literally tainted by specific theological constructs, what's happening is we're now trying to untangle all of those parts of who we are and we are trying to understand what is it inside of me that is me and what is it that was told to me or taught to me of who I needed to be, right? And so this is this can happen outside of the religious guys. It can happen outside of the religious context. But especially in religion, when you were told your entire life that you are this type of person, one of the greatest tasks is to try to understand those specific parts of who you are and gain sovereignty over it. Like literally feel like I'm safe. Like Sia was saying, I'm safe to feel. I'm safe to think. It's okay if I entertain the idea that maybe, just maybe, I don't want to have children. Okay, you know, if you're a single woman and you don't, you know, when you don't want to have kids and your your faith told you that's all you're going to be. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm not the enemy if I think that. I'm not thinking like I'm saying if I think that. Oh my gosh, that is like incredibly freeing for people to even entertain. Remember, that doesn't mean that it has to be your final thought, but you get to sit in that thought without the weight of hell looming over you or scheming inside of you that is that is something that like is worth that is something worth exploring and i know that this is this is hard stuff guys i just want to say this for for a second especially if these are newer things for you guys like these are scary thoughts i remember being like immobilized with fear if I heard someone on a podcast and I listened to a podcast, by the way, shout out to the liturgist because they were oh, part of yeah. it. Shout out to they the were part of it for me ever, too. If the liturgist are listening, I would too. die if they ever reached out to us. But if the liturgist ever and Hillary and all of the, like some of the main, like, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget their name. Michael Mike and, and his wife. Oh my God. I can't even remember. Okay. I so know. Blinking. Basically... When I think about some of the people, I started listening. And this actually is one of my, this is part of my story. I started listening to some people that talked about 
their experience in a very blended gray manner, my mm-hmm. brain started being like, I had that That's fear. possible. Right. Yeah. I had that fear. And it was almost that, that like, oh my God, I don't even know how to, like, if I tried to put it into words, it was like the fear, but also like freedom that I heard by allowing the the thought to be blended and be like autonomous within me. Like I could actually let that thought be myself and not a demon. That was so powerful for me. So I do, we do have to hop off, but guys, like we are, we're tapping into some of the deeper things here. And so we hope that you can stay on this journey with us. We are continuing the series and thank you so much for listening. Uh, please, please leave us your feedback, leave us your reviews and wherever you're listening to our podcast. We love those reviews. We love your feedback. Send us an emails, you know, cut, Get us on our social, on our Instagram. We love hearing from you guys, um, especially on these bigger topics. It'd be uh, really interested to hear some of your guys' thoughts on this. And we just really appreciate you all for being here and for listening. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work